Hello, welcome to Ask About the ADA, the podcast where we answer your questions about the Americans with Disabilities Act and how it applies to your everyday life. On this week's edition of Ask About the ADA, we're going to interview some of the staff here at the Northeast ADA Center to talk a little bit more about recreational access, beach access, and its impact in one of the territories covered by the Northeast ADA, Puerto Rico. So joining me today, we have a full house. Uh, We have Grace Fairchild, our student worker and the producer for our podcast joining us. And of course, we also have returning again, Jennifer Perry. She is the access specialist here at the Northeast ADA Center. And joining us from our affiliates in Puerto Rico, Mavi, we have Mildred Gomez, and we also have Nellie Bear Correra. Rivera. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. I'm glad you could be here today. And I look forward to talking about beach access and recreation access in general with you as we go along today. So that being said, let's get started. I think the place to begin is with the basics. And Jennifer, maybe I'll throw this question over to you to start with. Could you review for people What parts of the Americans with Disabilities Act typically apply to recreational facilities and and how do they apply? Sure, Joe. So uh, the ADA, of course, is is quite a comprehensive civil rights law. Um, And where the ADA applies is is reflected in the titles, as you mentioned. In terms of uh, recreation that's offered by public entities, meaning somehow tied to state or local government programs or facilities, Uh, That would be Title II of the ADA that would apply. And of course, generally speaking, Title II uh, prohibits uh, discrimination against people with disabilities in various types of programs, services, and activities. And that would, of course, extend to recreation as well. And then Title III of the ADA applies to places of public accommodation. So that would include any type of uh, private organizations or nonprofit organizations that offer recreation opportunities. So it's generally Titles II and Title III. Having said that, Title I of the ADA that we've had podcasts about in the past certainly would apply Mm -hmm. to the employees of of recreational um, areas as well. Uh, But primarily, when we think about recreation, we're focusing in on either Title II or Title III of the ADA. Excellent. So Can you explain why physical accessibility and equal access in recreation, um, why why are those so important? Well, again, going back to the fact that the the ADA is is an incredibly comprehensive civil rights law, uh, Congress certainly recognized the importance of recreation um, in everyday life, not only the health benefits, but also the social opportunities. Um, that come along with recreation. And when we use that term recreation, again, that's also a very broad term. It can include everything from sports and fitness related activities uh, to, you know, the ability to go to the YMCA and and take a swim class, participate on a team uh, to join in your town's summer recreation camp that might be offered uh, for children or to join an art class. Uh, So it is an incredibly a comprehensive term when we're, when we're talking about recreation today um, in this context. But it's also important to remember that the ADA is now 31 plus years old. And when the ADA was originally signed into law, particularly in terms of physical accessibility, the, the main goal 
31 plus years ago, of course, was to really enable people with disabilities the right and the opportunity to kind of get through the door, right? The ability to get into the, the entrance of a building and then circulate throughout the building. But then as time evolved, we saw the importance of going much further, much beyond people with disabilities having the right to get in the door to people with disabilities should have the right to participate in all of those services and activities that occur um, that are offered by both public entities as well as places of public accommodation. And that's really one of the main reasons that when the ADA standards were updated in 2010, um, we saw an entirely new chapter created, chapter 10 of the ADA standards for design that specifically addresses places of recreation. Um, that was not initially included in the original ADAG published in 1991. So Congress now said, okay, we're going to have firm and fast technical requirements for uh, swimming pools and spas, as well as for court sports, golf facilities, miniature golf facilities, and other areas as well. So I think um, as the ADA has evolved, the importance of recreation has also come to the forefront as well. And I think that also speaks to the spirit of the ADA, the intent of the ADA is, yes, the law is about uh, equal opportunity and employment and in accessing state and local government and even businesses, but it it's also has a larger intent of sort of increasing community participation for people with disabilities. And being a part of the community is more than just about going to the grocery store or going to your county office or having a job, those are all very important aspects of it. But it's more than that. It's, it's being a part of the community by participating in recreation and sports and in the sort of fun activities. Yeah, I think you really hit on that well, Jen. I'd like to move over and, and have you speak a little bit next, Nellie Bear. One thing that I'm curious about, and I think people listening might be curious about, are what do people contact you for in terms of technical assistance and recreation? What you hear in Puerto Rico might be a little bit different than what someone, say, in New Jersey might call about. So I'm curious to hear what sort of questions do you get about uh, participating in recreation or uh, recreation access? Thanks for the questions. The, the truth is that I have been a year in the program and in this year, it's not uh, the most common topic among technical assistance, but on November 2021, a group of young people with disability um, from a leadership academy in Puerto Rico won orientation about the law and how the ADA applies to beaches in terms of accessibility. Mm -hmm. We talk about the importance of the road without barrier, accessible bathrooms and tables, uh, because this group of young people identify in their community uh, some barriers that limit the access of people with physical disability to access to the beach. So it's not the main common questions that I receive, but sometimes it's measures about ramps and all that kind of questions. Grace, maybe I'll, I'll hand it to you to ask the next next question. Yeah, I mean, before we move on, I'm interested too to hear from Jen what kind of frequently asked questions she gets on the mainland. Uh, regarding recreation? 
Grace, mm-hmm. specifically? Yeah. We have received questions um, regarding access to beaches, public beaches especially. Uh, we also occasionally receive questions regarding trails, um, outdoor developed areas, uh, parks and playgrounds is another area where we've done a lot of work in the past um, helping municipalities understand how to improve accessibility, particularly to playground equipment um, and other types of play areas when updating their transition plans, which is a requirement under Title II of the ADA. Uh, those certainly, I would say, are the top uh, kind of three areas that that we get calls about. That's really interesting. So what are the most common physical barriers that people uh, with disabilities face, whether it's in parks or on beaches? So I can say that I certainly can't speak for every individual uh, with a disability, um, because obviously, depending on your disability, the challenges are going to be to be different uh, for each individual. But in terms of what we hear here at the Northeast ADA Center, a lot of times the, the biggest challenge, frankly, is a lack of understanding about what the obligations are on the providers of recreational facilities, a lack of understanding that there even are ADA requirements that may apply to a new walking path that's being designed in town um, or somebody wants to in, to install a trail, you know, perhaps throughout a forest or another type of wooded area. People, frankly, just don't think that the ADA would apply in that scenario. And that, of course, leads to a lot of problems <laughs> because um, if you don't know, you have to you know, think of accessibility, then obviously accessibility is not going to be included in the design of certain features. So the biggest thing I would say is a lack of education and awareness. And that's something that we work very hard to do, um, especially through you know, mediums like this podcast today. So the first thing I would say is understanding that there are accessibility requirements for a lot of recreational areas. Uh, so letting, you know, helping people understand what those things are. In terms of beaches, and since that's come up already on this call, uh, I, again, I think because the 2010 ADA standards for accessible design don't directly address, um, meaning if you open chapter 10 that I mentioned earlier, you're not going to see beaches uh, mentioned. Um, However, there is still an obligation under Title II of the ADA uh, to provide equal access to the program services and activities that public entities offer. So if your town has a public beach under Title II, those general non-discrimination provisions apply, and you have to think globally, how is this public beach accessible to people with disabilities, recognizing that there isn't a black and white standard or roadmap, if you will, in the ADA standards for design that tells you how to do that. So I think that leads to some of the the confusion um, as well. The good news is that on the federal side, under another law called the Architectural Barriers Act, there are standards that are being applied for federal beaches um, that that details how to provide access uh, to federal beaches. And those are pretty much viewed as the best practice document for public entities to use and that they address things like, you know, how do you provide access for somebody who uses a wheelchair or another mobility device over the sand, you know, whether that's through a permanent ramp um, or through the use of removable removable beach mats, those are the types of things that are addressed in the outdoor developed area standards. So we often, you know, help to connect people with what resource they should be using in their attempts to comply with the non-discrimination provisions in Title II 
that certainly do apply to public beaches. That's really helpful. Let me go back to Nellie Bear. Just thinking of what Jennifer was saying and also what you mentioned earlier, Nellie Bear, about the students learning about beach accessibility. Are there any beaches that you would suggest are particularly accessible, maybe in Puerto Rico um, that you're aware of? Are there any places that seem to do it right or that seem to do a good job of providing uh, access to the beach? Well, first I want to add that Puerto Rico has a state law since 2005 that mm -hmm. gives instruction to the recreational department to create accessible parks. And we have approximately three to four dishes that have, have programs that the name is Sea Without Barrier in Spanish, Mar Sin Barrera. Uh, this this means that the beach has includes equipment for people with disability to have access to beaches. One of the most common um, programs we have in Luquillo Municipality, and we have another at Carolina. And we know that the in the island we have a lot of programs that are trying to promote um, accessible recreational and giving the people with disability all the assistance that they need to participate and enjoy being in their recreational area. Hmm. Thank you for doing that and sharing that, Nelly. Mildred, let me maybe put this question out there and um, and anyone who wants to add to this answer, please feel free to do so. But uh, what do you think might be some misconceptions uh, that people might have about what makes uh, recreation accessible or what misconceptions might people have about the ability for people with disabilities to access different types of recreation? Hello, everybody. I think that most of the people here in Puerto Rico, the people with disabilities don't have the same access to transportation as other people that don't have a disability. Mm -hmm. So this is a barrier, the first barrier that the person with disability have to have access to recreation. And other issue is that people need to understand that people with disabilities are not sick. And they have the right to access to all kinds of services. And as Jennifer mentioned before, the recreational area is an important area for your mind and for your body. And you have the right as a person with disabilities to have access to all that areas. So I think because in parks, most of the people like here in Puerto Rico, we have big parks, but in the small communities, we have small parks. And when you pass through these small parks, uh, you, you pass through them and you think in children and you don't think in big people that they used to go to the park to have recreation and not necessarily to get on a swing and have fun like a child. So I think that people have to understand that people with disabilities have the right to have access to these areas. And most of the times they're not participating because they don't have the transportation 
or the areas are not accessible. So that is in the recreational area. Uh, in the beach access area, here in Puerto Rico, as Nelly mentioned, uh, the sea without barriers or mar sin barreras, the name in Spanish, they used to do all these concrete ramps in the water so people are not able to access by their own to the beach because they don't have beach mats. They need to access a special wheelchair and transfer to this special wheelchair to get access to the beach. So this concept about ramps that we know that when most many people think in people with disabilities, they think in ramps and big doors, they don't realize that we have other uh, technologies that that people can access straight in their own wheelchair to get close to the beach, to the water, and have fun like everybody. Yeah, it's about that full participation in the community that you know is at the heart of the ADA um, and the spirit behind it. And I know that's a part, like we were saying, is often overlooked. And this is Jennifer. I can also add on, you know, Mildred made some some very good points. And it's important to remember that, you know, the same is true with recreation as it is with other areas, particularly when we talk about the built environment, that the ADA standards for design really should be viewed as a minimum or as a baseline standard. Truly inclusive and successful recreation, recreational programming for people with disabilities almost always exceeds uh, what is required in the ADA um, and, and takes a deeper dive, if you will, to looking at how to support the individuals with disabilities and what their needs are for particular activities. And a classic example of that is, you know, the availability of wheelchairs that can be used on beaches. There are so many various types uh, of wheelchairs that have obviously the larger, generally plastic wheels that can, they cannot be used independently uh, by somebody with a disability, so they require assistance, but they often are an effective tool to, you know, particularly if there's a beach mat or a ramp that's provided to, to, to get across the sand. But, you know, no municipality is required to purchase that type of device. Having said that, when you have those devices, you are absolutely increasing accessibility opportunities uh, for people with disabilities. And, and with regards to those types of uh, water chairs, there are so many different types. There's been so many, so much um, technology that has changed. I know there's a product called Water Wheels that enables people with disabilities to, in some cases, independently, once they're in the water and using this chair, um, to go and have an experience um, using this, this floating wheelchair um, in the ocean. So their technology certainly has impacted access and um, you know, provided greater opportunities. And a lot of times, again, that those include features that aren't necessarily required uh, by the ADA. That's really fascinating. Um, so, you know, and this moves into our next question really well. We wanted to ask if there were any other innovations in recreational accessibility that people should know about. So whether it's uh, creating more uh, wheelchairs that are able to get across the sand and into the water, um, or even whether they're just um, improving guidelines. Um, what are the innovations that we're seeing in uh, accessible recreation? 
you know, technology is is obviously ever evolving and I'm hardly a techie, um, but certainly in the case of beaches and beach wheelchairs, there's, as I mentioned a moment ago, there's been a lot of advancement um, in those types of things. With those outdoor developed area standards that provide a very good roadmap for providing access in things like uh, trail accessibility, uh, there have been a number of manufacturers that have stepped up and helped to develop products, for instance, that can be used uh, for a ground surface to help make a trail surface more accessible for somebody who perhaps uses a mobility device. And, and those standards themselves, the outdoor developed areas rule, um, I certainly would consider that an innovative resource that park managers and particularly people developing trails can look to. Uh, to provide increased accessibility. And again, I have to mention that I, I, I just hope that if, if anything, public entities as well as private entities that offer recreation um, just over time, are, and they certainly are already, but continue to, to understand how the ADA applies uh, to recreation and, and understand that there are obligations to provide access for people with disabilities. Thanks, Jen. And before we end, today's time together. Are there any last minute thoughts uh, that anyone wants to share about recreation or the importance of the access to it? I know, Jen, you just touched on one and the importance for public entities and public accommodations to know about it. Is there anything either Nellie Bear or Mildred you'd like to uh, end with before we uh, finish for today? I just have to add that all this uh, recreational accessibility and new innovations make great changes to the people with disabilities. When a person can access to some service, to some recreational area, the life of that person change. And people with disabilities have the right. I spoke like here in Puerto Rico that we are on an island and we are. We have beaches everywhere. So people with disabilities have the same right to access to the beaches as people that don't have a disability. So we just have to say that, that we need to be inclusive and to give access to all these recreational areas to the people with disabilities. I think that's a perfect note to end on for today. And on behalf of Grace, let me thank all of our panelists for being a part of our podcast, uh, at least for the second time and for Jennifer several times. So thank you again to Jennifer Perry, our access specialist at the Northeast ADA, as well as Mildred and Nellie Bear from our affiliate in Puerto Rico, Mavi, and as well. Thank you, Grace, as always, for producing the podcast and today for being a part of it. If you have questions about the ADA, please feel free to contact us at 1-800-949-4232. You can visit our website at northeastada.org. And of course, you can follow us on social media. And if you have a question about recreation and accessibility, please feel free to reach out and we'll be glad to answer your questions. So thank you again for listening and let's continue this conversation.